Well, it's lovely to be with you. Um, when you're doing a church plant, um, it's amazing how many times they phone you and say, what's the password for the computer when you're away? Uh, we can't get any sound out of the speakers, uh, all those kind of things. So hopefully they've got things sorted this morning and they will be meeting as we've been meeting today. But it's great to be with you. So um, we've been around uh, New Frontiers, which is the big umbrella of, of, of churches that we kind of are part of, um, for about, I think it's about 25 years uh, as part of, of being part of New Frontiers and then Regions Beyond as, as we, we moved with, with Steve Oliver and, uh, and, and you guys and stuff. And it's been great to be part of uh, our network of, of family of churches across the globe. It's just fantastic, isn't it? It's great to be able to share together. But when I was 14, uh, I was sat uh, in a Salvation Army hall in High Wycombe, Buckinghamshire. And we had a guest speaker. And this guest speaker came from France. Spoke English, thankfully, because I would not have understood a word. But he came and he preached. And at 14 years of age, God grabbed hold of me. He grabbed hold of me and suddenly I realized I was lost. I realized I didn't have a clue. I'd grown my parents, uh, are Christians, my grandparents. In fact, I could trace it back five generations of, of family that knew Christ. But there came that moment when I was 14 when Christ came and grabbed me and rescued me. His love, his compassion for me was just overwhelming. So in the middle of, of, of the preach, I found myself coming forward and coming forward to the front and just, I want to be with Christ. I want to give my heart to him. And being part of the Salvation Army as we grew up, and Tanya was part of the Salvation Army as well, one of the things we would do is we were on the outskirts of London. We would pop into London and we would get involved in a soup run there. Um, and back in those days, uh, the poverty and the homelessness was much more in your face. I think it's hidden away a lot more now than it used to be. But we'd go and mix the soup up and we would get in a minibus and we would drive around and pull into parks in London and flash the lights. And out of the bushes and the dark places, guys and ladies would come out who have nowhere to live and we would give them soup and stuff and go under the bridges um, and there there'd be line upon line upon line of boxes and you kind of walk along, knock on the top of the box and a flat would open and a hand would come out and you'd be able to give them something warm to drink. It was one of those occasions that um, I was up there with my, sis, my, um, my cousin Viv and she was with us doing it and we get into the end of the evening, it was a cold like November kind of really cold night and we saw this one young guy sat on the street corner and he's just in, you know, trousers and a T-shirt. And my cousin, she's thinking, look, I've got this coat, and, you know, a nice coat. And something in her moved her just to take her coat off and to give it to this young guy. You have it. You need it more than I do. She had compassion, didn't she, for that, that young guy who had nothing. And she gave him what, from what she had. Where did that come from? Well, it came from the imprint of God in her. His spirit stirred her 
to move with compassion. And I want us just to think about the compassion of Christ this morning. His compassion for us. If you've got a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 14. Um, It's a very uh, well-known passage. Matthew 14. um, I'm going to start to read from verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed... And saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed the sick. He had compassion on this large crowd that had gathered around him. He was immediately moved to action, wasn't it? And he healed the sick. And we see it time and time again, don't we? As we read the Gospels, we see that what Jesus says is exactly what Jesus does. There's no hypocrisy in him, is there? There's no mixed messages. Uh, What Jesus is, his character, his very being, is played out in the interactions with others. Who he is is seen exactly in what he does. This Jesus, who um, in Hebrews chapter 1, at the beginning, just gives us a quick glimpse of, of who Jesus is. This Jesus, who, who um, actually is the one responsible for everything. That's what we're told. The one who made everything. The one who holds everything together just by his words. The one who reflects God's glory. The one who is exactly the likeness of God. That's who Jesus is. This Jesus, this one in whom all of God and all of humanity dwells, this Jesus is compassionate to what he has created, towards those that he has made. Just a few quick examples to give us an understanding. In Matthew chapter 8, a bit earlier in, in Matthew's Gospel, we read about a leper. And this leper comes to the Lord and he says, Lord, if you will, if you will, can you make me clean? The leper doesn't doubt that the one who holds everything together could make him well. He doesn't doubt it, does he? But his question is, will you? Will you do it? Is that God's will? Does the Son of God actually want to heal and relieve pain and poverty? Relieve the exclusion from society which that leper would have experienced? Is that Jesus' will for the leper? Well, we know how Jesus responded. He said, I will. That's Jesus' heart. I will. And then he says, be clean. And the guy is healed and restored. Jesus' deepest desire, his will, is to have compassion and to heal and to make the leper whole. Then in Matthew chapter 9, we read about another guy. He's being carried on on a kind of stretcher by his mates. You know the story? And he gets to the house and it's full up with people. He can't, they can't get in. So they go up on the roof and they break through the roof and they lower him down at Jesus' feet. Yeah? Before his friends even get to ask anything, Jesus immediately is moved with compassion. He says, your sins are forgiven. Pick up your bed and walk. You see, he didn't even have to ask him. 
He came and met that man's need. And then the passage we just read, if you just go on, we read about the feeding of the 5,000. Right? Jesus had massive compassion for this large crowd. Yes, he healed them, but then he also then, after three days of being together, realized they needed feeding. And so what did he do? He met their need. His compassion resulted in that wonderful miracle of the bread and the fish. And what we're seeing in Jesus at that moment in history, in that country, at that point in time, we're seeing a complete 180 degree shift from what the Jewish authorities were teaching, what they were doing at the time, and what Jesus then was doing. He turns a major turn, a complete direction shift. Because what I'm talking about here, what we're seeing here, is this whole thing of clean and unclean. Do you know about that? In the Old Testament, we read about things that were clean and things that were unclean. We read about uh, food, and there were like lists, and you can eat this, but you can't eat that because that's unclean. Or there were things like if you touched a dead person, you became unclean. All right? But actually, at the heart of all that was actually some teaching about how uh, contagious moral filth really is. So there were these laws and these rules, but actually it was saying actually it's not just about whether food's right or wrong or whether touching this or touching that makes you unclean. It's actually about uh, the moral kind of infection you can get from the filth of uncleanness. And so the people of God, the Israelites, you remember Moses, they were really instructed to keep well clear of anything unclean, weren't they? Keep away from any immoral thing. If you touched a dead animal or a person, you became unclean. If a woman was having her period, she became unclean. Certain illnesses as well made you unclean. And any upright Jew, what would they have done? Well, they would have moved heaven and earth to get away from the unclean thing as quickly as they could, wouldn't they? You'd become outcast if you were unclean. You'd become the one that had to live outside the camp. You could no longer be part of your society, your community, your family. And this fear of being contaminated, of being made unclean, meant that they would run away from others. They would run away. They would run away from situations. All right? they, they would even run away from mildew in their tents. That's what they did. Now consider Jesus. Now consider Jesus. The most clean person to have ever walked the earth. Do you know, I don't think we can ever fully grasp Just how clean he is. Just how pure Jesus is. Just how holy his mind and his spirit are. Just how innocent and lovely Jesus is. I don't think we can ever really get it. And what does he do? What does Jesus do when he sees an unclean person? What does he do when he sees a prostitute or when he sees a leper or he sees a foreign woman or or a crowd of hungry people? Does he run away? No. No. What does he do? He runs towards them. 
He's moved with compassion to go towards them. Compassion floods his heart. He spends time with them. He touches them. I think he probably hugs them. Are you getting back into hugs yet? Are you there yet? Ashley walked in. I think as he walked towards me, I'm thinking, is this going to be a hug moment? Is this going to be a handshake? Or is it going to be the COVID kind of keep your distance moment? It was a hug. He was in, straight in, which was lovely. It was lovely. But do you know what? Jesus moved towards. He moved towards them. Jesus was reversing all right, the whole Jewish system of clean and unclean. See, up to this point in history, if something was unclean, you had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. But Jesus is turning the world upside down. Now, Jesus, um, Israel did teach that things could become clean through ceremonial washing or through sacrifice. But in reality, there's only ever been one truly clean person. The rest of us are unclean, broken sinners. All the attempts by the Jews to stay clean through ritual, through their laws, through sacrifice, actually were useless. They just made them more aware of their their mess, didn't it? That's what it did. And we're all unclean. We all fall short of the glory of God, don't we? So there is this one, one truly clean, truly compassionate person, Christ Jesus. And he reverses it, all right? So remember, if a Jew saw and ended up touching an unclean animal or some mildew or a dead person, the uncleanness transferred to them. All right, that's what they were transferred to them. They became unclean. But a wonderful saviour. What does he do? We have got wonderful news, haven't we? Because actually when Jesus touches the unclean one, Jesus doesn't become unclean. He doesn't become unclean. In fact, the unclean one that he touches becomes clean. Do you see it? Right? When he touches them, it doesn't, it doesn't, the moral filth doesn't come to him. His goodness comes to them and they are made whole and restored. He restores the unclean. He restores their true humanity. They're no longer cast out, but they are accepted, aren't they? Not just by a religious group, or a political kind of structure, they're actually accepted by God himself. That day when I was 14 and I came forward in a meeting, I came because Jesus had grabbed me. He got hold of my life. And I became clean because of him. That's what happened. That's what happened. As Jesus walked the earth, he was rehumanizing the dehumanized. That's what he was doing. And as he walked through the towns and villages, do you know what? Sadness confronted him in every town. Pain and sorrow were there right in his face. Sickness, brokenness, the outcast, the poor in spirit, the addicted. But his love, his love and compassion for what he had made overflowed in acts of grace, didn't they? In acts of mercy towards his people. 
They want to worship him. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he beautiful? He comes and he makes the unclean clean. But what about now? That was then. Jesus was on the earth, walking around, running towards the unclean. But what about now? Do you know that same Lord who wept at Lazarus' tomb? He weeps with us in our moments of grief and loneliness and loss. That same Jesus who reached out and touched lepers puts his arms around us today when we feel outsiders when we feel unloved. This is good news. This same saviour who reached out and gave forgiveness to sinners reaches out today. He knocks at the door of your heart and he offers forgiveness, healing and restoration. And I want to say to you, just as I had a visiting speaker come to my home church when I was 14, I'm a visiting speaker today. I want to say to you, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. If you don't know him, if you feel broken and lonely and outcast, I want you to hear Jesus is calling you. He's calling you today to come to him, to allow him to come to you and reach out and touch you and make you clean. And what's amazing is, you know what? We have an even better today than the people who encountered Jesus. We have it even better than those that met with him on the roads, met him in the villages and the towns. And you hear people say, don't you, oh, I wish I'd been around when Jesus was walking the earth. I wish I'd been there when he healed the blind. Oh, I wish I could have touched him like that woman who, who her bleeding stopped after 12 years. And I get it, yeah, I get it. It would have been amazing. But you know what? We've got something far, far better Far better. You see, Jesus doesn't just touch us today. He comes and dwells. He comes and dwells in us. He makes his home within us. All right? So Jesus is far closer to us today, if you've given your life to him, than any of those New Testament characters. Even Peter, James and John, who probably, when it was a cold night, were all lying down together and snuggling in for the night. Do you know what? Jesus is closer to you today than that. Because God himself, by his spirit, has come to dwell in you. His compassion is so great for you that he decided to come and live in you. Jesus is always found moving towards the unlovable, isn't he? He's always found all right, touching the untouchable, healing the sick, cleansing the unclean, embracing the outcast, forgiving the least deserving. The Messiah is a compassionate Saviour and Lord. He's full of mercy towards us, isn't he? But I just want to say one thing. That this compassion he has for us, it doesn't invalidate his holiness and it doesn't actually take away his absolute hatred, his wrath towards sin. It doesn't. 
There's one event um, of immense compassion that we read in the Gospels. It's about a woman who gets caught in adultery and the, and the guys bring her before Jesus, don't they? And there's this whole scene where they're ready to stone her and all's going on. And, and once all the accusers have left, it's in John chapter 8, Jesus was a left, left alone with the woman. He straightens up and he asks her, where did they go? Because all the accusers have gone. They've all left. Where did they go? Has anyone condemned you? The woman answered, no one, sir. And then Jesus said, this moment of compassion, I don't condemn you either. Go. From now on, don't sin. From now on, don't sin. He is full of compassion towards the very vulnerable woman. But it doesn't compromise his call to a holy living. He encourages her to flee from sin. Why? Because he knows it's better for her. It's much better for her to flee sin and not to keep messing around in it. So it's really important in our, in our desire to show the love of Jesus to others, even for us to understand the love of Jesus to ourselves, that we actually don't just understand how compassionate he is, but actually... He wants us to say, flee from sin too. Don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. But when Jesus does see our fallenness, when he sees our mess and our pain, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct is to do what? Come to us. So when you mess up, when I mess up, when we give in to temptation, when life's experiences aren't quite how they should be. Perhaps when others treat us badly or we, or we see that evil abounds around us, when we find ourselves unclean. Know this. Christ moves towards you. He moves towards you. And in fact, as we mess up, he moves towards us in greater measure. For he is compassionate. He's the God who makes us clean. My prayer is this. That we, each one of us, would know Christ's compassion and his love for us. That he is drawn towards our mess. He walks towards your brokenness. I want to encourage you to receive him today. Receive him today. You know, you may have, received, you may have experienced rejection in your life. Perhaps from a parent or a spouse. Perhaps it's actually rejection within a job and things have gone really sour with your employment. Well, today you can know the acceptance of Christ you can know that he draws near to you. And the good news is, as he draws near to you, you don't make him dirty. You don't make him dirty. You don't make him unclean. What does he do? He cleanses you. We use lots of phrases. He washes us whiter than snow. He wipes the slate clean. There's loads of ways we can describe it. 
But he comes and he deals with us. But there's a second thing I just want you to think about. And this is it. That's, this is the, it. That we allow Christ's compassion to flood our hearts. That enables us to move towards the unclean. That enables us to move towards the broken. To move towards the outcast, the hurting. Because we have good news to share. We have a God who created everything, who chooses to come and move towards them, to love them, to rescue them. Oh, I pray that our hearts would be moved with compassion for the lost, for the outcast. That our hearts would be moved in those moments of life. We see a need and we take our coat off and we give it to them because they need it. We share the good news of Jesus. In whatever circumstance of life you may find yourself in, I do pray that when we each meet the unlovely, when we meet the outcast, when we meet the broken, may the Spirit of Christ move in us to have compassion, to offer life, because we've got life to offer, to offer freedom, because there's freedom in Christ, to offer the good news that they are loved by Jesus, the one who created it all, that they can know forgiveness, that they can be made clean in him. I'm going to pray. I want to say, if you are thinking, actually, do you know what? I want to respond to this Jesus. And you want to give your life to him. And I don't know any of you, so I can say this openly because I don't know where you're at. But if you don't know Christ, if you've not allowed him to come into your heart, I want to say today's the day to do it. He loves you. He's moving towards you. And it doesn't matter all the things going through your head where you're saying, I'm just not worthy. Have you not heard? He moves towards the unworthy. So respond today. But for those of us that have been walking the walk with Jesus, I want you to know his compassion for you does not waver. His compassion for you does not diminish over time. He loves you. And when you're finding it tough or made some really rubbish choices, do you know what? He comes and moves towards you again. Because that's the God he is. Let me pray. Jesus, Jesus, we love you. Lord, we want to worship you because you are the mighty one who stooped down low, who left all of heaven to come and be amongst his creation. Why? Because your compassion moved you to want to be here to rescue us. And so, Lord, I pray each one of us right now would know the compassionate love of Christ in our hearts. Calm, Holy Spirit. Come and flood our hearts afresh. If we have felt unloved, would you come and love us today? If we felt unworthy, Lord, would you just wipe that away and help us realize how much you care for us? And Jesus, we pray for those that don't know you. May they know your love and compassion for them this morning, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.